Welcome back to Star Wars Meanderings and Ramblings. I am here to talk about Andor. Now, if you want to be a guest on the show, I already have some great people lined up, um, but I would suggest that you go to my blog, starwarsnon.wordpress.com, and there you can find a little section on top on the podcast where you can apply to be a guest of the show. I would love to have you. Uh, secondly, you can find me on Instagram at the virtual Jedi. It's not that exciting, but you know what? I'm planning to make it more exciting. Maybe, hopefully, I'll make it more exciting. No matter what, just know that I love talking about Star Wars. So, and I like having conversations about Star Wars. So I'd want to have a conversation with you as long as you present the material in a very compelling format. <laughs> anyway, cool. Good to talk to you guys. I'm finally slightly recovered from my pneumonia. Yes, that's what I had. I finally got diagnosed, got antibiotics, still coughing a little bit, but in general, good. I wanted to talk about Andor because, oh my God. The season is done, and it was good. It was really good, right? First of all, I want to give a huge disclaimer. Well, not disclaimer. I don't know the right word, but really fun fact, okay? Rick's Road. Now, my maiden name is Rick's, and it is spelled R-I-X. When I got married, I moved my maiden name to my middle name. So the name is still part of my name. My name is Kiri Ricks Mohan. So growing up, I was Kiri Ricks. And Andor has Ricks Road in it on the planet of Ferrix. And can I tell you, it was like the most exciting thing I have ever heard or seen or read. And I was like, my God, my name is in Star Wars history. Now, all we need is Kiri, K-I-R-I in there. And whew, it's going to be good. My life will finally have purpose. All right. I just wanted to go into that first. So this quick review, if it's quick, I think it'll be quick. We're not really going to go into the plot. You know what? There's going to be a few spoilers. I'm going to assume most of you have seen the plot. If not, you're just going to be listening to it and saying, oh, that sounds interesting or that does not sound interesting. So no plot. Um, but I am going to go into basically highlighting some characters that I liked and the best episodes. Um. You know what? Let's talk about how this kind of is like the first show Dave Filoni hasn't really touched. And maybe that's a good thing. Uh, Tony Gilroy was the writer and creator of the show, and he also did the Bourne trilogy, B-O-U-R-N-E, that starred Matt Damon. And so he has experience in these blockbuster shows, I mean, movies, and he brought that to this show. And I think you could really tell. Um, he said in an interview... But this was like right when it was coming out. He said, you know, we will be introducing people along the way. Gilroy said, I don't think it's any secret that Forrest Whitaker is in the show. Saw Guerrera is in the show. There will be some other people. But when we bring them, we bring them because we need them. And because there's really some protein there. There's something for them to really do. And I thought you could really feel that, right? Because Dave Filoni just can't help it. He has to throw in like these Easter egg characters that like, do you really need it? Like, I felt like that a lot, especially with Star Wars Rebels. You'd be like, oh, I think this is a good place to put Princess Leia in. And I'm like, really? Like, did we need Princess Leia in that episode or two episodes or however many it was? Did we need Lando Calrissian? It just felt like he's throwing in these characters that it's like, oh, look, fans, I know you love them. And it, for me, it always distracted from it. And you all know how much I love The Mandalorian. I love Grogu. I think the second season bringing in Luke in the finale was really awesome. 
really cool. I think, I think that was played very well, but did we need Ahsoka? I don't know. I, I mean, I've talked about this with Michael Miller and Ahsoka in general. Um, but there's, there's just, I feel like Dave Filoni really likes the Easter eggs. And you could tell right here that Tony Gilroy, he only used characters with purpose and intent. And I thought that was good. The show was gripping. I was sucked in from the first or second, sorry, I was sucked in from the second or third episode. The first episode was like a little bit setting up plot and I'm like, eh. But by the second or third episode, I remember being like, mm, this is, this is pretty good. I, I can't wait for more. And by the time we got to the fifth episode, I had goosebumps and it was really hard to wait a week. That said, does it feel like Star Wars? And this is what I've been kind of discussing with friends on and off. And it's really hard to say. Because I missed the aliens. There weren't a lot of aliens. It was mostly humans. The humans were dressed mostly normal, with the exception of Mon Mothma, but she kind of stuck to like the outfits you, you had seen before in like Revenge of the Sith, the deleted scenes, and also that iconic white outfit. You know, they, they kind of stay along those lines. So the Coruscant outfits were a little bit more different than what we saw when we are following Andor and the Rebellion or the Rebellion being formed, but they were all along the same line with the Coruscant outfits. It was all the same style, which I guess makes sense. They're all in Coruscant. They're all, you know, hanging out and copying each other. Um, but I did miss the aliens. We didn't see many of them. I did miss humor. There was not a lot of humor. And it felt like, I mean, that's one thing I loved about The Mandalorian is that there was plenty of humor. It was kind of lighthearted. This was a very dark series and it was very gritty. To me, it felt more like an EU novel, you know, like as the explanation of the background of why we saw what they did in the movies. And some of me thinks it was a very a grittier reality um, that might have veered from what George Lucas originally wanted in Star Wars. That said, again, I felt like this show had purpose. I felt like it had a reason for being in the Star Wars universe. And I did not feel like that with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And I did not feel like that with the Book of Boba Fett. I felt both those shows were just kind of, they they fell flat. With Obi-Wan Kenobi the whole time, I was like, why do we need this? Why do we need this show? It, it made sense, but at the same time, eh. this show felt like, okay, I'm following this character. I'm getting invested in Cassian Andor. And I'm realizing what went into building the rebellion. And this show felt like it was a strong foundation and had a lot of purpose. Let's get into main characters or the characters I loved. Cassian Andor, obviously, main character. Similar. I thought he was kind of similar to Rogue One, but we see a little bit more of a human and caring side to him, especially with his um, adoptive mother, Marva. Um, he he does play in the shadows again. He's not um, when, what's it, for lack of a better word, when shit goes down, Cassian is kind of leading it, but he's leading it from one man behind, right? Like he picks someone else to be the leader. And this is kind of what he did in Rogue One. Kind of, kind of, kind of with Jin. They're so kind of, and I say kind of because other people kind of assigned her as a leader. Um, and I really did not like Rogue One because I thought the whole movie actually should have been about Cassian Andor. And watching this series confirmed that. I was like, this, like, Rogue One didn't need Jin Erso because Cassian is everything and he's the one that this this movie is about. Um, and I didn't mind that he like sometimes kind of played in the shadows in the show because he was the people who did do the leading of the 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 leaders like Luthen and um 
what's his name? Kino Loy in the prison scenes. They still had purpose and they still did their job well with Cassie and Kaina, you know, leading them and encouraging them on versus Jin, Erso, and Rogue One, where I felt like she was just this uh, figurehead for Disney. So Luthen, Luthen Rao, Rao, I can never pronounce his last name, but Luthen is the mastermind, you know, behind everything in the rebellion and, um, well, not the rebellion, but what we're seeing in the show. And he is a really interesting character. And I'd like to know more about his why, you know, like that's like a business jargon here. Like why, what are you trying to do with your business? What are you trying to serve? Like once you know your why you become more passionate. And I guess like, I want to know his why. Like, why is he having, he reminds me of a spider, you know, like he's got different webs and plates spinning and he's got a hand in everything. And he's trying to, you know, um, like he knows that empire is evil and he's trying to bring them down. But why, why is he trying to bring them down? You know, and that, that I, I'm looking forward to learning more about him. You know, he's not quite Saul Guerrero, who's an extremist, though he might at times seems like it. He seems like he's veering and teeter-tottering into it. He's definitely more calculated. Like we see he's willing to let Krieger die and not warn him that the Empire is on his tail. And that means he's in it for the long haul. You know what I mean? But he's also grooming that ISB officer, Lonnie Jung, who I loved, by the way, because he was just so nondescript and I ignored him like the whole series until that episode where I was like, oh, wait, he's important. Oh, interesting, because he's so bland. Um, but, you know, He's clearly in it for the long run. He's got this long vision. He, the whole Aldani arc was about getting that money for the rebellion and being willing to sacrifice these people for the greater good, which I think Sagarera does not. Sagarera is just about, let me pull up and make as much damage as possible to the Empire. Um, it, it, the way he weaves his web, and he has something to do with everyone and everything. Yet not everyone knows his grand plan, as you saw. Like Mon Mothma was like, were you in charge of Aldani? Did you have anything to do with Aldani? And he's like not answering her. The only person like I thought maybe who's in on everything is his shop assistant. Her name is Clea. And the short monologue she gave to Vel in one of the last episodes was very enlightening. And I'm like, does she know as much as Luthen? Is she actually in charge of Luthen or are they equals? I'd love your opinion on this. I'm not entirely sure whether they're they're equals or not. Mon Mothma, I mean, cool. I actually liked her character a lot. It was cool to see this background. I didn't feel pulled to her one way or another, but I thought it was interesting to see her private life. You know, her her husband, the marriage to her husband, the traditions, her daughter, and the trouble she's getting herself in and the way the ISB and Empire, you know, they have, they're stalking her. They have like a pin on her and they know she's up to something and her trying to hide it all. It was, it was cool to kind of see, you know, how is this going to bring us to Rogue One? Theodore Miro. Okay. Excuse me, I got a cough. <clears throat> See, still cough. Um, Theodore. Gosh, I actually loved her. Two people I loved in this this series who are Empire. Cyril Karn and Deirdre. Deirdre, I was trying to figure out in the beginning. Okay, she's an ISB agent. Is she a rebel sympathizer? For a while, I was like, oh, she's definitely a rebel sympathizer. And then all of a sudden, I just was like, no, she's not. She's extremely intelligent. She's following clues that others had glossed over. But we also see that maybe at the end, she was too much of a bulldog. She was too ambitious and too overconfident. But again, we know that overconfidence is like the MO of the Empire, right? So maybe that was on purpose. However, I enjoyed seeing a female character like her, relentless in her career, in the pursuit of what she thinks is right, ignoring naysayers and pushing onwards. I loved her character. 
And I loved every scene that she was in. And I just loved that. <laughs> yes, she's Empire. But I was just like, you're good at what you do. I like you. And I wish we had more women like you on the screen. Cyril Karn, favorite character. I know. Weird. Why is he my favorite character? But he started off the series. He started all of this, right? Like he was just trying to do something right in his career. He was just trying to catch the bad guy. For for him, Cassian was the bad guy. He killed two people on his team, right? Like, but then they told him to go away. You know, go away, Cyril. It's not a big deal. We don't want them by involved. And he's like, well, F you. You know what? I don't like this. It was a big deal for him. And we see throughout the series that telling him to go away kind of makes him come back even more, right? So he botches catching Andor. And then that kind of sets his downfall, quote unquote. He has to move back home with his mommy, becomes a cog in this wheel of the empire, which great visual representation, right? It really is a cog in this like massive office-like space. And it just reminds all his audience of like office workers in cubicles. But then when Deidre pulls him out for questioning on Cassian Andor, he once again becomes obsessed with catching Andor. And then he kind of becomes obsessed with Deidre too. I just thought he had so many facets to his character. Loved him. With like the whole Deidre thing, is it romantic? Is it stalkerish? What's going to happen to them both? We see he saves her in the last episode. And she was frightened. She was downright frightened in that Rick's Road episode. And he saved her. What's going to happen? Are they going to team up? Is it going to be romantic? I don't know. I don't know. Saw Guerrero was in it. Forrest Whitaker came back. Saw I saw. I'm not going to say much on him because you've watched Clone Wars and Rogue One. Same, same character. I never liked him. But I don't think we're supposed to like Saw. So, you know. Kino Loy. Oh. Prison scenes were my favorite, and some of that was definitely due to Kino and his character. Am I saying that right, Kino? I've actually not watched any videos, but I think it's Kino. Um, you want to dislike him, right? You want to dislike him, and because all he wants to do is get out. That's his goal. He wants to get out of the prison, and you see him looking at the days counting down, but you just know there's something more to his character, and maybe Cassian did too, because when he finds out that his life is basically going to be one of servitude to the empire and just in different locations and prisons, you see this like shift in him. And that shift is done so well by Andy Serkis that you could like sense it through the screen, like at the end of that episode, you know, in the arc. And you're just, he's just like, when Cassian and Andor asks him like, how many prison guards are on each level? And he finally answers. He goes from blinders on, just get it done, cross out the days, to going all in with a prison breakout and becoming the unintentional leader of it. Oh, he's so good. I loved him. So those are the characters that like I thought were strong in Andor and that stood out. There were no characters that I was like, right? There, there wasn't anything like that in Andor. Like they were just written so well. And there were so many of them, but like they all kind of tied together in interesting ways and like even the ones I didn't like, like the guy, what was the guy that Cassian shot who was like, let's take the money. Why can't I remember his name? Um, let me see. He is. I had him up the other day. Oh, yeah. Arvel Skeen. Arvel Skeen, who um, and or kills. Yeah, you know, I didn't love him. But they were all, like, you could understand the actions for each of them and why they did what they did. And I liked that. So the best scenes and kind of like the best episodes of Andor. IMO, my opinion. 
anything ISB related. Oh my gosh. So I forgot to mention this, but I ended up watching the whole series pretty much on subtitles. Why? Because of the ISB scenes. I think it was like the second episode or something. They had this like scene with the ISB and I was like, what is going on? I'm missing stuff. I know there's stuff like canon, Star Wars, Easter eggs are throwing into these sentences that I'm missing. So I threw on subtitles and ever since then, I watched a whole series with subtitles. And that's how I actually found out about Rick's Road prior to even like the season finale name was because Cassian like mentioned Rick's Road and I took a picture of it and sent it to my friends like, hey guys, look, Rick's Road. Um, but the ISB like Whenever they talked, I was like, what's going on? It was like a fast tennis match, like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Okay, yes. No, I want to follow this. Okay, let me rewind that. What are they talking about? Oh, my goodness. And it was always important. And I thought that would be my least favorite part. But it ended up being one of my favorite parts. Whenever ISB came in, it was like, all right, pass me the popcorn. Here we go. I am excited. And all that little drama and petty drama. So good. I would say my favorite arc were the prison scenes. The prison scenes were some of my favorite and definitely episode 10, One Way Out, for like three days afterwards. I was going like, one way out, one way out, one way out. Nothing surpassed it. Knowing Cassian had to get out, but how he was going to get out kept me on the edge of my seat. They were tense scenes. They were well done. And actually, the arcs reminded me of the Clone War arcs. Like sometimes um, during TCW, they would have these like three-episode arcs that were really gripping and you couldn't really wait to see what happened with the next one. This, and it reminded me of that. It neatly wrapped up the storyline three to four episodes, but left you feeling like you were watching a show within a show. And those prisoners escaped on their own ingenuity. No Jedis, no lightsabers. The Force didn't help them. One way out, one way out. They figured it out. And you know, the heartbreaking part when Kino, they're all escaping and he says, I can't swim. <sighs> I... What is more heartbreaking? It still gets to me. I can't swim. Oh, my gosh. And then just like that little part in there in the prison scenes when you find out that when the prisoners are released, they just get sent to another prison. You're just like, oh, I hate you, Empire. I hate you. Like, this drove home to me more than Star Wars Rebels. Just the Empire sucks. They're cruel. They don't care about you as an individual. And I think that was so clear in this whole show. I liked the Aldani episodes, the heist and all that. I liked learning about the different rebel characters, how they orchestrated in this one mission through Luthen, right? Like he gathered them all. They pulled off the heist, but they weren't without casualties. One of them being the little Karis Nemec who wrote the manifesto. I actually really liked him and I knew he was going to die. I mean, not that I had read spoilers, but I just could tell from the way they were framing him. It was just so innocent and not innocent, but like, you know, almost an idealist. He was so young and an idealist. Um, But I was still sad when he did die. And I knew that manifesto was going to come in important. And like hearing the lines from it in the last episode was actually weirdly a personal confession. I kind of read it. It was like when you read, not read it, but when he was, talking about it with the oppression of the empire. I was like, oh my gosh, am I like that sometimes as a mother? Am I like the empire oppressing my children and trying to create order, but at the expense of happiness? Ah, Weirdly, it really hit home to me like that. I, I think I'm okay, but yeah. Anyway, the scenes also gave us a good glimpse into Vel, who's an important character um, that I thought was just going to be part of the Aldani thing, but then she kept showing up. 
I like that there was a lesbian relationship that we got to see, like good for Disney, like expanding out of, you know, keeping up with the times. There were sacrifices and decisions that the people had to make for something they believe in. And that was important to see. Um, though, Andrew, I feel like, you know, he walked away from the rebellion at that point at the at the end of the Aldani heist. The people had made an impression on him. And, you know, I'm curious if Luthen's endgame was always to put Cassian with that group or if he kind of made it up on the fly when he met Cassian on Ferrix. I'm not sure. And I because it felt like he was like, you know, afterwards, like, oh, we got to kill him. We got to kill Cassian. He knows who I am because Cassian runs away. I don't know. I'm curious if if he always meant to put Cassian in that group or if he's just looking for someone like Cassian. Uh, the last episode, Rick's Road, that was a huge middle finger to the Empire. And what a good episode. Like the way these like downtrodden people are able to, you know, the, just like little things like the Empire being like, no, we're going to do the funeral at two. And then they start at 12 anyway, you know, and like Marva has that speech from the hologram and it's just so powerful. It was a powerful episode and Cassian didn't get caught. I liked that. I liked that he like no one almost caught him. You know, it wasn't like like they knew where he was and they went to them and they're like, oh, no, we can't get up here. No, that's not where he is. But he was, you know, stuff like that. that I was like, I think this is this is a good closure to the episode. It made me be like, what's going to happen next when Deidre got, you know, she was just Deidre was in hot water. She she had too much faith in her empire and people in her ISV rank. And it just went haywire. And it was tense, but I, I would still say like my favorite episode was one way out with the prison break scene, but I thought it was a good finale. And I definitely want to see more because now we've seen what led Cassian to join the empire. I was surprised. Empire. Hilarious. What led Cassian to join the rebellion against the empire? We now see that. So the next 12 episodes in the next season, which by the way is coming out in 2024, ah, too long. But that's going to be interesting because that's going to see all the way up to Rogue One. How did he find K2SO? You know, how does Mamothma finally give up her sham and join the rebellion? And it's just going to be cool to see. I just don't know if they can live up to this first season. Honestly, I don't. It's just so freaking good. It was so freaking good. So that's my review. I'd love to hear from you guys. Let me know your thoughts. You can go to my blog, starwarsanon.wordpress.com. Find this episode, leave a comment. And of course, you can contact me through my webpage, the blog webpage as well, or on Instagram at The Virtual Jedi. And or I say, great, great show. If anything, because it felt like there was a reason for it. I didn't feel like I was just watching something with Easter eggs and fan service and like, eh. It was good. Do I like it as much as The Mandalorian? I don't know. It just felt so different. I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, let me know what you think. And I'm excited for the next season. <laughs>